and welcome to episode number 23 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. Random Podcast is our Twitter, and you can always email us at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about liberty. What does liberty mean? How is liberty eroding? How has it changed over the years? And we're going to tie this in with a bunch of things that have been happening lately because we have a new Congress now and they want to tax us to death. So we're going to be talking about that and how it relates to liberty. And be sure to stick around until the end of the podcast where we kind of recap episode number 22, which was a podcast a little different than anything we've done before, which took an in-depth look at a song by little Steven Van Zandt called Camouflage of Righteousness. This internet thing's wild. We posted the episode Friday afternoon. By the time I woke up Saturday morning, I had a tweet from little Steven. And we had a little, not I won't say it's a conversation, but we conversed a little bit on Twitter. So we'll update you on that. And I wanted to read the liner notes from the album that somebody had turned me on to. And I think it all kind of um, wraps up what we did in the last episode quite nicely. But on today's episode, we're talking about liberty. And we're talking about liberty for a few different reasons. If you look at the definition of what liberty is, because maybe you're asking yourself, hey, what is liberty? I hear this. You know, I've heard the word in history classes probably the last time. Uh, or unless you've done the Pledge of Allegiance, and we can tell you why the the left has a war on the Pledge of Allegiance at this particular point, I think. But liberty is defined as the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. Basically, liberty means you can live the life that you want to live as long as you're not being a jerk, as long as you're not affecting other people's lives in a negative manner, liberty means you should be able to do pretty much whatever the hell you want. And that's hence the term you've heard, you know, political parties, libertarian, they want liberty. They want you to be able to do as long as you're not hurting anybody else, as long as you're not being a dick, as long as you are being a good overall citizen, being a good neighbor and all this other kind of things, what you want to do on your own, should pretty much be within your purview. And unfortunately, we're living in a country, in a society overall, in a world overall, that liberty is being eroded each and every day. Big government is a huge problem when it comes to liberty because there are so many laws and regulations that it is literally becoming hard to keep track, even for people whose jobs are to do nothing but to pay attention to these things and to keep track of the laws and understand what's legal and what's not. So how are our liberties being threatened? Well, in a nutshell, we're being monitored, taxed, and legislated to death. As I said, there's laws filling the books, and each and every year, it seems when a new Congress comes in, and this is no different this year, there's all of a sudden a ton of new bills that are being thrown out there new laws that are being put onto the books, or at least trying to be on both a national and state level. This isn't necessarily always a bad thing, but as the years go on and these laws continue to add up, 
I mean, just think about it. How are we at a point in our history right now that we still need new laws each and every year? Do we really need them? Why do we keep getting them? And every time there is a new law added to the book, a little bit more of our liberty is getting eroded away. There are new stringent rules and regulations that we have to live by in order to be good global citizens. Sounds like freedom, right? I mean, that really is what the founders, I'm sure, had in mind when they uh, when they designed this country. But you have to ask yourself, with all of these laws that are on the books, I mean, there's a lot of the weird little obscure laws, you know, that were never taken off the books, and we're not necessarily even talking about them. But all of this legislation that is continually put on the books to push us in a way, to nudge us in a way to do what we're supposed to be doing. Whatever that means, we're supposed to be doing what the government wants us to do, what Big Brother wants us to do. Now, an interesting thing is you ask yourself, well, okay, I'm, a, I'm just a normal guy or girl, and I, I just I, I don't have to worry about all these laws. How are they affecting my life? There's a book that was written back in 2009 And granted, it really looks at some extreme cases, but it was written by an attorney named Harvey Silverglate, and there was a foreword by Alan Dershowitz, so these guys are pretty smart. The guy that wrote the book was a a lawyer, went to Harvard Law, so I mean, you'd think he would know what he's talking about when it comes to to the law, and the book is entitled Three Felonies a Day, How the Feds Target the Innocent, and basically... In a nutshell, while it may be a slight exaggeration, it says, you know, the average person could commit three crimes in an average day and have no idea that they did it. I mean, sure, criminals are out there. They know what they're doing. If you're robbing somebody, if you're doing something bad, you know. But this is just kind of making a a comment upon how many laws are on the books that people are completely ignorant of. I mean, when you really think about it, like when the health care law went in, When Nancy Pelosi said, well, of course, we're going to have to pass it so we can find out what's in it. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of pages in single laws. How anybody's supposed to know what's in all of these, I don't really understand how that works. As an average citizen, we've got other things going on. I mean, we're on the Twitters. We got to keep up with the Kardashians. We got to watch our favorite sports ball. We got to do all these things. How are we supposed to know what the laws are? And... The concept of this book was how the government will use this to their advantage to target the people that they don't like. Now, you may believe you're never going to be on the wrong side of that line, but you might want to you might want to see what's going on in the rest of the world. For instance, I think it's important to look at what's going on in China right now because they've got a ton of people in China and they've got a communist government, right? So now you think that this would be a much freer country than ours. Well, no, maybe you would think it would be a much less free country than ours, and you're right, but we're moving in that direction. In China, they now have this super-duper new concept that they've been testing out, and like you would have a credit score here in the beautiful United States or wherever you are, I'm sure everybody in the world now has credit scores, so they know if you're a good risk to go get a mortgage or to get a loan for something else. In China now, you have a social credit score. And what's a social credit score? Well, you know, it's it's something that they keep track 
of in order to say how good of a person you may or may not be. I mean, it really is what you're thinking in the terms of the big brother, creepy, all-powerful government, all-powerful watching eye kind of a way. They rank the citizens with a social credit system, and then if you do things that the government doesn't like, they will embarrass and demean you as a ways to punish you to get you to do what they want you to do. So, I mean, things that aren't illegal necessarily, but, you know, enough to, you know, give you a little slap on the wrist and those slaps of the wrist start to, uh, they start to add up. And when it comes down to it, you can be punished by things like, well, you may not be able to buy that Big Mac. I mean, how would they know? I mean, you could be walking in with cash. Well, do we still have cash? Uh, We're going to do a podcast at some point on the cashless society, but this is one of those reasons why cash is being phased out. Sure, it sounds a little bit conspiratorial. Uh, You know, it sounds like the, uh, the ravings of a lunatic and a conspiracy theory kind of a thing, but when you see societies doing something like this, and China is not a small society, it's a huge society when it comes to global population. You wonder why they want to get rid of cash. It's because when you have this kind of a social score system and they need to be able to punish you by doing things like not letting you stay at certain hotels, not letting you buy a Big Mac or that pizza that you want. Well, everything has to be locked down. You can't just because otherwise, if your social score was low, if you were just a raving jerk online and you're posting just crazy things, how dare you think you should be able to go to Burger King or McDonald's or wherever and pick up a burger? No, the government is going to tell you you can't do that. And there was a video that came out. Of course, this is an audio podcast, but I still think this is very interesting because the video wasn't all that exciting. It was just somebody sitting in a train in China. And I first heard this on the No Agenda podcast. And it was originally thought that this would have to be a joke, that there's no way any society at this point in time would have gotten to be this much big brother, even a communist country like China. But sure enough, take a listen to this and tell me if this doesn't scare you. You're sitting on a train, you're in China, and you know, like you would if you got in an airplane anywhere and they give you, you know, here's what you got to do in case of a water landing and all that. Well, when you get on the train in China, this is what you hear. Dear passengers, people who travel without tickets or behave disorderly or smoke in public areas will be punished according to regulations, and the behavior will be recorded in the individual credit information system. To avoid any negative record of personal credit, please follow the relevant regulations and help with the orders on the train and at the station. So in a nutshell, basically, shut up, slave, sit down, do what we tell you to do, or you will be punished. Follow the rules. Don't do bad things. Otherwise, your social score is going to be pinged and you're going to be a pariah. You know, things like posting on Twitter are going to get you in trouble when it comes to what's going on in China. And you figure, well, that'll never happen. How can what I post to Twitter or social media affect my life in the United States? Well, 
A brand new Illinois law has been proposed. God, I love living in the United States and in the state of Illinois that would force anyone who is applying for a FOID card, so a federal uh, ID that you have to get before you can purchase firearms, to get a FOID card in Illinois, you would have to give them access to all of your public social media accounts so they can scour them to find out if you're really okay in order to be able to get a license in order to be able to purchase a firearm. Now, I would have thought, one, this would have already been included in a background check. Maybe the FBI and everybody else is just really bad at their job. But I would think in this day and age that we live in, where so much of our lives go on online, that our social media accounts would at least be part of a background check that goes on before we have to get a license to buy a gun or for a background check basically for anything. I don't know why this isn't normally included. I guess maybe because it's too hard for them to figure out if you're using fake names and stuff online that maybe they won't find you because you just might be, you know, Yogi Bear One hit Twitter and they're like, I don't know, Yogi Bear One, who's, does that really John Smith or is that Fred? I don't know who it is. The other question would come down to then how are they going to enforce this? How are they going to know when you're trying to get an application through in order to get a firearms ID? How are they going to know that you are Yogi Bear One? So if you just decide not to tell them, how are they going to enforce it? How are they going to figure it out? How are they going to investigate it? How much time are they going to spend trying to figure it out? And maybe more importantly, how much money are they going to spend trying to figure out if you have social media accounts? And just imagine you're somebody that's totally off the grid. Now, isn't that going to probably flip them off more? Is that not going to scare them and be like, hey, wait a minute. Why isn't this guy on Facebook? Why isn't this guy on Twitter? Why does this guy have so no social media whatsoever? And then what's going to happen? You know, they're going to be like, what are you hiding? Why aren't you on social media? We want to be able to track you more. So this new Illinois law, the uh, state representative Daniel Dietrich from Buffalo Grove, which is a northwestern kind of suburb of the city of Chicago, is proposing this um, that the Illinois police get access to your social media account so they know if you're able to be approved or whatnot. And here's a sign that you're probably overreaching. The ACLU is against it. The ultra-liberal ACLU is against this because they're worried, again, about the slippery slope of when you start this kind of crap. And it's scary. It really is. Because it's like, what part of your life don't they want access to? Because you're posting something online, maybe you're somebody that likes to post things a little bit more sarcastically. Maybe you're somebody that likes to be more of a drama queen. And the things that you post are amplified and magnified in a way that you would never say or do in real life. We've talked about this before, where it's really easy to get into a very vicious, mean fight with somebody online, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, wherever, you know, wherever you're arguments are being sold today. It's a lot easier to get into a heated argument like that than it is to get into that same argument with somebody face to face. And that colors everything that people say. 
And people say a lot of stupid stuff on social media, and I wouldn't necessarily want to hold them legally responsible for these types of things or to believe that what they're posting on social media is going to give you a very good psychological profile of who these people are. And then this is something that is actually worthy of the time of, in this case, the Illinois State Police in doing their background investigations. I mean, some people have thousands and thousands and thousands of tweets. Does somebody have to go read them? Do they have to go read each and every one of them individually to figure out what kind of a person you are? Are they going to be doing some kind of keyword search? And does that really make sense? Because you could be completely anti-gun and saying some words that would make you that, you know, that would kind of put you on the, you know, the red flag list. So I'd be really curious on the, uh, the amount of manpower that's going to have to go into if something like this passes on who's going to have to read all of this information, who's going to have to go look at your Facebook account, at your Twitter account and all this in order to figure out if you're okay in order to be allowed to have the right to purchase a gun in the state of Illinois. I mean, don't forget Chicago gun free zone. Go check out the website. HeyJackass.com and, Take a look at the latest gun crimes statistics from the city of Chicago and tell me how the concept of gun-free zones are doing. There's a bill that was very similar that was proposed in New York, and of course, because it's New York, it's even crazier than the one that's being put through here in the state of Illinois. Uh, This one's even more crazy because not only in this, I have to do a little bit more research, I will admit... But the article that I found on the one from the state of New York says not only would it require people looking to buy a gun in the state of New York to submit their social media profile, it would also make them provide their search history prior to purchase. Now, I don't know, again, in Illinois, this was about getting the card that says you can purchase a gun. New York maybe is different. Maybe every time you want to buy a new gun in New York, You have to give them your social media profiles and your search history. I don't know how you provide your search history. Are you you keeping them for us, Google? Are you going to give it to the man when they ask for it? But yeah, your search history now. So you may want to think about going back into our, our previous episodes. I don't remember the number, but we did one on privacy. You may want to look into getting a VPN service. So when you're doing any searches, you can run them through that so you're at least at least Comcast can't uh, can't narc on you when you're looking to go in the state of New York and get a gun or a license to get a gun because I'm really not sure how that would work. It's not bad enough. You have to give them your social media accounts. Now they want your search history. Oh, but this isn't Big Brother, right? This is not Big Brother. We're crazy. This is not Conspiracy Theory 101. The government wants access to your search history. Yay, New York. Freedom, liberty, where the hell have they gone? And these are just basically, you know, the brand new laws that are going on. And if let's start going back and seeing everything that's already on the books. These are the ones that just keep getting added on and added on and added on. And one of the other ways that they want to nudge us in the way that they want us to do their bidding and start thinking the way they are. There's a new law that was just suggested 
introduced HB 5700 in Connecticut by Representative Jillian Gilchrist. And if you want to talk to her on Twitter, it's at J-I-L-C-H-R-E-S-T. This lady is just a moron. Because she won, I don't even know if she, she can't comprehend simple math. And that bothers me. And the concept that she's putting out there, well, let me just let her speak for herself. State Representative Jillian Gilchrist here to give another bill update. One of the bills I've introduced this legislative session with my good colleague, Senator Will Haskell, would increase the tax on ammunition here in the state. Currently, ammunition is taxed at the same rate as other products, uh, but we want to increase it by 50% because we see this as a prevention measure. Um, It wouldn't apply to uh, law enforcement or to military, uh, but for example, if someone were to buy a 50 cartridge box of ammunition, which goes for about $10, it would increase the price to $15. Uh, We see this as a public health measure, um, similar to what we've done in the state of Connecticut with increasing the tax on cigarettes. Uh, When we increase that tax, we've seen a reduction in use. And so we want to continue Connecticut's legacy of being a leader on preventing and addressing gun violence. And we see this as another step forward in that direction. So we're just going to take more of your money as a preventative measure. Well, let's just start at the beginning here with the simple math. And this, for somebody that not only just, you could say, okay, she misspoke, she misspoke, she said she was doing a little video. This was also typed into the post, word for word, a introducing HB 5700, a 50% tax increase on ammunition. Currently, ammunition in the state of Connecticut is taxed at the normal sales tax rate, same as anything else. So it doesn't matter if you're buying a bullet or if you're buying an iPad. Commerce is commerce. A product is a product. That's what the sales tax is. Well, the current sales tax in the state of Connecticut is a 6.35%. So that basically means this idiot who just said a 50% increase in the tax was going to take your $10 box of ammunition and raise it to $15, and that's a 50% increase in tax. Well, right now, your $10 box of ammunition would come out to be $10.63. So, (laughs) sorry, Jillian Gilchrist, you might want to go back to school and learn simple math. Because what you're asking for here, what you are suggesting to the fine constituents of Connecticut is not a 50% increase, tax increase on ammunition, from the 6.7, uh, 6.35% tax it is now, what you want is a 50% tax up from the 6.35% that it's at now. So it's actually not a 50% increase. You're asking for a 787% increase in the tax rate on ammunition. You can't even get the simple math right. Why the hell should we listen to anything else you have to say? And in her her tweet, or maybe it was an Instagram post, she says, I'm hearing pushback about the need to protect one's home, dot, dot, dot. Let's Let's just forget me going into writer mode and kind of pointing out how useless the dot, dot, dot is in a case like this. But she goes on, how much ammunition does someone really need to do that? 
Hashtag gun sense. How much ammunition does somebody need to protect their home? The answer to that is it really depends on what the threat is. But this is not about how much ammunition you have in your home. This is about actually training and becoming familiar with your gun and being able to use it at a moment's notice to know uh, how, you know, to get your shooting skills up. Because do you know what happens? This is just me going into full logic mode, which is what's going to happen when you raise taxes at an increase like this on ammunition. People will use less, but where they're going to use less is in training and in practice. So Jillian Gilcrest, more innocent kids will die. That's what's going to happen when you price people out of being able to practice and train with their firearms. Do you really think any criminal who is going out to kill a bunch of people, going out to rob a convenience store or a bank, or going to hold you up for that nice Canada down whatever they are jackets that they're stealing now? Do you really think the criminals are going to go, oh shit, they raised taxes on ammo. I better go find something different to do than go rob, kill, steal, um, whatever massive amount of crime I was about to go do. Ooh, they raised taxes on the ammo. It's going to cut. It's going to cut. It's going to cut the crime rate. Does anybody really believe the logic of that? That we're going to raise taxes on ammo and it's going to decrease the crime rate? I mean, because again, the criminals are the ones that are probably going to steal the ammo anyway. And then the tax really isn't going to apply to them. Again, heyjackass.com, Chicago, a gun-free zone. There's, there's still a little bit of gun crimes going on in the, in the city of Chicago. Spoiler, if you didn't know that. Anybody with half a brain would see this as not a preventative measure, measure like smoking, because every time you smoke, you're doing damage to yourself. And a lot of people still do it. And you go, again, Liberty says you can do whatever you damn well please as long as you're not affecting somebody else in a negative way. So to kind of try to put that together with smoking and be like, this is a health issue. It's like, it's not. It's idiotic. People will buy less ammunition. The law-abiding citizens are going to be the ones that buy less ammunition. They will train less. They will be less familiar with their firearm. More innocent people will get injured. More innocent people will die. Thanks to idiotic laws and tax increases like this woman in Connecticut is trying to get passed through. It makes zero sense. And come on, for the love of God, figure out simple math. When you say a 50% tax increase, it's like, no, you're not asking for a 50% increase. You want a 50% tax. Again, a 787% tax increase because that just seems completely logical again. We're being pushed in one way. All these taxes that are coming out on cigarettes, these taxes on, of course, cigarettes, that's a health issue. On taxes, on gas, well, we don't want you to drive as much or move back to the city. We want you here. We don't want you in your own cars. We want you to use public transportation. Oh, taxes on sugary drinks. You're all a bunch of fat asses. Stop drinking sugar. We're not going to make any of this stuff illegal. We're just going to make it so... Eh, you might not want to buy it because the price is going to keep going up 
and going up. And it wouldn't be bad enough if they didn't just keep taxing every damn thing you buy. But now this psychotic Elizabeth Warren. Here, here, here's something I want to understand. You're seeing so much in the news now about the guy in Virginia, the governor, that the picture came out allegedly him in blackface. And of course, he's denying it because that's what all these guys do. And you're noticing that the the late night guys aren't talking about it, Jimmy Kimmel and and the rest, because you know most of the most of them have done it at one point or another for a skit, and we could have a whole other conversation about whether or not you feel it's racist the whole blackface thing. We've we've talked about it a little bit in the past, where if you have a kid who is a little white kid who loves Michael Jordan and wants to go as Michael Jordan for Halloween, and, you know, he thinks it's kind of, you know, he sees nothing wrong with it. He puts a little color on his skin because he wants to look like Michael Jordan. That's not racist. He loves Michael Jordan. That is not racist at all. Intent matters a lot, and we talked about that in another previous podcast, so we won't go down that rabbit hole, even though it's always fun to do so. But Elizabeth Warren, in the era where people are getting crucified politically and socially, or doing stupid things like dressing in blackface and all of that, she actually has misrepresented her heritage. And more and more of this is coming out that she put this down when like she's getting into law school, trying to get jobs. She was claiming to be a minority, a Native American, which has all turned out to be complete bullcrap. So Doing something in jest, being a moron kid in high school or college and dressing in blackface 30 years ago will get you screwed now politically. But Elizabeth Warren actually mis- uh, misappropriating you know, her heritage is perfectly fine. She's Teflon, baby. You can't do anything. Pocahontas, as you know, Trump called her, or the No Agenda show, to be fair, called her that long before Trump ever did. But for some reason, she gets a pass. But Elizabeth Warren, while she may not be Native American, my God, is this woman a socialist? She is really against anybody doing well, becoming successful, because not only does she want you know, all these sales taxes and all the taxes that are already on the book, now, <laughs> this is, you know, this is so mind-blowing that that it's actually kind of just sad and funny all at the same time because now she actually wants a new wealth tax which would go after assets not income and you know all the assets that we all have it doesn't matter if you got you know 20 bucks in the bank or 20 billion the assets that you have you've already been taxed on the money that's there is already post tax But, you know, you're still sitting on too much money, and Elizabeth Warren is pissed off about that. So she wants to start going after any net worth over $50 million. She wants to take 2% of that every year. And anybody that has over a billion dollars, she wants to take 3% of that every year. So it doesn't matter that you're already being taxed for the money that's coming in So, I mean, if you're a billionaire, you know, you're somebody like Bill Gates, you're somebody like Bezos, you're already paying a huge, huge tax rate, way double digits. I mean, we're talking already about some of these, you know, uh, Cortez, AOC wants to do a 70% tax rate. Some other people are pushing for even 90 because, God, we don't want you to be that successful. 
I mean, why should you why should you get all that money? You're out there busting your ass. You created a company. You created a product. Why do you think you deserve to be successful here in the United States of America? How dare you? How dare you want to be successful? So in this, Elizabeth Warren, this new tax that she's proposing, if you had a billion dollars sitting in the bank, and we all wish we did, but that billion dollars that you've already paid your 50, 60, 70%, 80% tax in some cases, uh, to get the money in there. So not only have you been taxed to death to get this money, but now this money is sitting in, this is not just money in a bank. This is also assets. So what are your cars worth? What are your clothes worth? What are your jewelry worth? Your net assets. So if you're sitting on a net asset of a billion dollars, the government's going to come knocking and take another 30 million every year, just for shits and giggles. Just give us another 30 million on that billion and we'll walk away. It'll be cool. It doesn't sound illegal. This doesn't sound like something that should be coming out of a, uh, you know, an extortion movie. This doesn't sound like, you know, the mob showing up at, uh, you know, at your doorstep when you, you know, you run at a little bakery or something, you know, like Tony Soprano, you know, hey, you got to pay me. You got to pay that. You got to pay the VIG. You got to pay the Piper if you want to play in the band. Well, this is what Elizabeth Warren wants for this country. You're too successful You're already paying sales tax. You're already paying income tax. You're already paying estate taxes, death taxes, and all of that. If that wasn't all bad enough, now she wants to take 2 to 3% of your wealth every year just because they could use it. We could put that money to better use because, you know, the government has such a great track record of spending your money wisely. Again, spoilers, they don't. As I said, I'm starting to see why the left hates the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It seems like the liberty and justice for all now just means if not unless you're successful. No, no, then, then we're going to screw you. We're going to bend you over the barrel. We're going to take everything you have to pay for the poor who just simply, you know, don't want to work. I mean, let's well, another podcast coming on AOC's new green deal, because it's really not about the climate. It's about separating you from your money, but let's go back and finish off the episode on a high note, on a fun note, talking about what happened after episode 22 of the random thoughts podcast dropped last Friday. And we did an in-depth look at Little Steven's song. You may know, if you don't know Little Steven, you should. And, and I'll, I'll wait, go look him up online, download some of his music, buy his albums. Uh, if, you, if you saw The Sopranos, you saw Little Steven. He, he was a great, great actor in that. And one of the stories I loved about hearing how he got the job, because it was really the first time he did any acting, I believe. And how he got the job in The Sopranos is the producers of the show, you know, were like, hey, this guy's really, he would be perfect for this role. And from what I've read, little Steven went, you know, no, 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 I don't want, I'm a, I'm a musician. I don't want to take the job away from a guy that's, you know, an actual actor. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be stepping in on that. This isn't my forte. I'm a musician. I'm a writer. I do this. And they convinced him to do it. And little Steven was just genius playing Silvio in The Sopranos. And then he went on to do Lily Hammer. So he's a very... A very talented guy on a bunch of different levels, a great writer, great guitar player. He played guitar with Bruce Springsteen for decades. And 
that song that he did, the camouflage of righteousness just hit me one day. And I was like, these lyrics really seem like they're hitting home today. I did a whole podcast on it, which was let's, let's admit it. It was a little bit excessive because out of the 40 minutes of the podcast, a good 30 minutes or so was breaking down a five minute song, the lyrics. And, uh, as little Steven pointed out, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get around to this little quote here, uh, the quote that I woke up to, the tweet that I woke up to the next morning. So I posted the podcast on Friday afternoon. Saturday morning, I woke up. Hey, you've got, you know, looked at my Twitter notifications. And there was one from little Steven, which said, well, I get the impression we don't always align politically. The only reason I don't use phrases like global warming and climate change is because I hope words like poison and pollution get through to people. I do appreciate the detailed thoughtfulness examining my work. That blew me away. One, it shows that even though, you know, there are guys like me sitting here doing little podcasts and we, you know, understand that in the grand scheme of media, we're a very small little pebble in a huge world of media. So to put a podcast up there on Friday and get a response from the guy who wrote the song that I was breaking down by the next morning really blew me away. It was a humbling thing. It was an honor to even have this little back and forth on Twitter with little Steven. And it shows you there is some hope in the world that people that don't agree can still uh, can still communicate, can still have a dialogue, don't have to be everything's not black or white. And I thought one of the interesting things in this in this first tweet that he sent was talking about global warming, because I think a lot of global warming is nothing but a grab to get money out of your pocket and give it to somebody else. This is all social. This is all redistribution of wealth, right? This is social justice. This is everything that's been going on politically for a long time. And he said in this tweet here, I talk about poison and pollution more in the hopes that that gets through to people. And it kind of hit me and I'm like, you know what? I'm against poison going into the water. I'm against poison going into the air. I'm against pollution, but that's not what global warming is all about. That's the guise of what we're, you know, this is what people are telling you global warming is all about. But the main thing global warming people want to get rid of is carbon dioxide. Again, spoilers here. If you didn't pay attention when you were in school, or maybe they don't even teach that anymore. You know, when you take a breath, you do the inhale, you'll, you're taking that breath in. You're taking that in because your body needs oxygen. So you breathe in that air, you get it into your lungs. Your body is processing that. But you know what the waste product is? When you, when you exhale, when you do that and you exhale, I just put carbon dioxide into the air, man. <laughs> I am poisoning the planet simply by living and breathing. So I understand Guys like little Steven, and I think he's going about things in a different way. And even though you may believe in the global warming and all this other kind of thing, if they really truly was about helping the planet, they would be talking about poison and pollution like little Steven is and not carbon dioxide. Hate to tell you, <laughs> we're the problem. If we just would kill all humans, you know, we'd really lower the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Uh, but little Steven went on in another tweet, which said, uh, that's one of the times, that's one of the few times in my life, a journalist, and I, I will take that as a compliment. Thank you, little Steven. Uh, I don't know if I'm much as a journalist as just an idiot with the microphone, but it is, it is high praise coming from little Steven. 
It's one of the few times in my life, little Steven said, a journalist spent as much time analyzing something I wrote as I did writing it. I really do appreciate that. Thank you, Darren. Again, mind blown. It's really been one of the highlights of doing this whole podcasting thing. And for anybody out there, if you're thinking about doing a podcast and you're like, man, nobody's ever going to listen to my podcast. I'm just an idiot. I have nothing to say. Give it a try. Because I would have never thought in a million years that little Steven would, one, pay attention to the podcast that I posted, although I did put him in the, the tweet of the, when I put the podcast out there because it was one of his songs, but really never expected anything more than silence on the other end. So this was really a cool thing to be able to have any kind of an interaction with little Steven. And he did go on to say that when he wrote the song, he was really mindfully in a in a place to where he was trying to be vague enough to where the song would have a longer lifespan. And I believe he really hit that one on the head. And I believe he even did more than that because this not just was vague to have a longer lifespan, but go back and listen to episode 22 if you haven't. I think the song really, 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 was that enough reallys, uh, hit on where we are as a society right now. Uh, he, little Stephen did say, also, I find my usefulness these days in finding our common ground whenever possible. And that is something that I absolutely applaud. And I think more people need to do it. And I try to tell myself to do this all the time. It's too easy when you're on the socials, when you're on the tweeters, and you see somebody saying something that just pisses you off or you totally disagree with. It's easy to go into the outrage and start having the argument and telling them why they're an idiot. There's enough people doing that. Little Steven, I applaud you for being one of the guys now who is trying to find common ground and his latest tour, even though he was one of the biggest political artists when it comes to music in the eighties and nineties, he's now really not doing politics. He's doing a, and he's just coming out with a brand new set, a, a soul fire live, absolutely great live rock, soul, blues, everything all rolled into one. And there's a huge box set coming out, seven uh, discs, as far as albums, not uh, CDs, seven LPs, Blu-ray and all that. So definitely check out his website for that little Stephen Soulfire live. Some really, really good music. Now, somebody turned me on to one of his fans who saw this interaction going on on Twitter, told me to check out the liner notes for the album Born Again Savage, where the song Camouflage of Righteousness was on. And I found him online, which was good because my CDs are all in disarray ever since I digitized everything. But these, this is from the liner notes of Little Steven's album, and I'll just read this for you. This is what I thought was the, uh, the pertinent point of the liner notes for this CD. This is the fifth and last of the political albums I outlined when I decided to make my own record. Little Steven starts. I wanted to learn about what was going on and write about it, talk about it, and hopefully learn something about myself in the process. After five albums and seven years of traveling and studying and looking around, I wrote these following liner notes, which were intended for the original release of this record. We live in an insane asylum, a barbaric, merciless cesspool. 
And in this purgatory filled with disease and ugliness and violence and hatred and injustice and greed and lies and pain and frustration and confusion, there are brief fleeting moments of peace and love and truth and beauty. They are rare. They are years and miles apart, but they are so meaningful that they make life worth living. Those moments give you strength to face the insanity with your balance intact and your eyes focused, and you endure and tolerate and survive. And if you're lucky, real lucky, you can tap that strength and hold on to it long enough to, in your own small way, to make it all a little bit better, just a little bit more civil and just, to serve and you don't do it for anybody else because no one is going to thank you or reward you or even notice. Don't kid yourself. You do it for you, for your own soul. Because in this world, that's all the salvation you're ever going to get. Again, some words from little Stephen like uh, the lyrics to Camouflage of Righteousness. Hell, the liner notes have a pretty damn good message too. So check out Little Steven's music, and I hope you're enjoying what you're getting here on the Random Thoughts Podcast. If you do, do me a favor and subscribe, and even more so, tweet about it, Facebook about it, tell a friend, help us grow the congregation here, and help us grow this little podcast just a little bit more each and every day. I appreciate it. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, which we have a Twitter for the show now, which is random r-a-n-d-u-m-b podcast that's twitter or you can get me at darren o'neill d-a-r-r-e-n-o-n-e-i-l-l and you can email us at random thoughts podcast at gmail.com tell us what you like what you don't like and all that other stuff thank you for coming along on the ride i truly am humbled and appreciate all the people that i've heard from about the show and how much you're digging it we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys out there and we appreciate everything you do, all the input we we're getting from you. And uh, we hope to keep this little train rolling for a nice long time. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.